This is episode number 130 of Patrick Jones Baseball. And on this episode, we have Coach Butch Chaffin. Uh, Butch is the head baseball coach at Cookville High School in Cookville, Tennessee. Coach Chaffin has been a teacher there at Cookville for over 30 years. He's involved with Team USA Baseball, where he spends his summers traveling around various states and even countries helping develop players. Coaching high school baseball, in my opinion, is so unique because every not every player wants to play at that next level. And so Coach Chaffin kind of talks about how he's still able to get his players to buy in and work hard, even though that some of them may not even want to play beyond high school. He also talks about why it's so important to give back and how every player has some sort of role on his team and why he thinks that's so important in high school baseball with a short amount of games and short season. And he also talks about how he does it a little bit different in his program and how he plays a lot of different players at different positions throughout uh, the course of the season. So this is a a pretty fun interview for me. Um, Coach Chaffin was awesome, and I think uh, you guys will enjoy listening to this as well. So uh, without further ado, Coach Chaffin. All right, and we are now live with Coach Butch Chaffin, who is the head coach of Cookville High School. Coach, thanks for coming on today. No problem. Thanks for having me. So uh, I, we were just talking, and you're, you guys have already started school uh, pretty early. And does that mean you guys get out of school early too as well? No, we get out. Uh, we have a two-week fall break in October, and then we have two weeks uh, at Christmas. And then we have a one-week spring break and we have like a friday monday around easter so do you like it the way it's set up now or would you have would you like a more traditional where you start a little bit later and then just get out at the same time you know i've been a school teacher for 32 years so i've done it every way possible i like the one week fall break and i wish they'd take that week and tack it on to the end of summer just to give us another week maybe what do you teach I teach psychology and sociology. And so have you been at Cookville for all those years? I have taught at Cookville. I uh, I coached at Tennessee Tech for four years, which is about a mile from our campus, as the volunteer uh, assistant. And then I did some special assignment scouting with the Kansas City Royals for three years. So when you were in school did you think you were going to become a a baseball coach or was your main focus becoming a teacher well I was going to be an engineer my dad he was military and he was a petroleum engineer and I was born in California and we moved to Tennessee when I was like sixth seventh grade and uh, the whole time all along I wanted to be I wanted to get an engineering degree and then become an architect and build like stadiums and I thought that'd be a cool way to stay in sports and travel around. And I'd coach, uh, like some summer league stuff and, you know, always, uh, always into baseball. But, um, my little league coach made a comment one time. I was really intrigued and he would let me actually plan practices. Here I am. I'm 10 years old and I'm like, Hey, we need to take ground balls. Uh, why don't we take pregame? And he kind of said, well, you're really into this. Why don't you plan our practice? So I got to plan Little League practice. 
So my little league coach, he would tell you that uh, I've been coaching since I was 10 years old. But I was going to go to school to be an engineer, and I got in engineering classes, and I kind of looked around. And I was like, wow, these people don't have my sense of humor. Nothing against engineers, but they just didn't get me. So I had a conversation with a couple people and was like, gosh, I don't know what to do. Um, I was walking by. This is a true story. I was walking by the education building, kind of wondering what I was going to do. And there was a line coming out the door. And I guess they were all elementary education majors. And uh, they were pretty good looking. So I went and stood in that line. <laughs> and that's how I got that's how I got into education. And believe it or not, I think I became a teacher so I could coach and got into the teaching part of it and really enjoyed you know, I've enjoyed being a teacher. Uh, I can't believe they pay me to do this. So you teach psychology. How much does that help you as a coach as well? Uh, tremendously. Uh, the psychology, uh, dealing with players one-on-one, the sociology, dealing with the group. Um, you know, nothing uh, nothing replaces experience. I, I, I believe that. And I think, you know, I see a lot of younger coaches and they get into coaching and after two years, you know, every coach, every high school coach in America, and it's good to be every college coach in America. I think we all deal with the same thing. Uh, we're kind of embarrassed that it's happening to us. So we did really for years, people didn't talk about it. And, you know, with Twitter and social media and podcasts like yours, people are starting to like open up and we're finding out what I think I've known for a while is we all have the same problems. And, uh, I think the psychology, uh, if you, if you dive deep enough and, you know, I don't know, I don't know a good coach. that's not a reader and a researcher and you research things and you find out, uh, better ways to deal with people. And I think that's where it helps. I think that's where it's helped the most. So one of the one of the questions um, that I actually uh, that I had written down is actually talking about how do you get your players to work harder. So I guess that would be, fall into line of kind of what you were just talking about right there. Well, I mean they're they're kids. Uh, I'm really conscious of the fact that I coach kids. I don't coach big leaguers, and I'm sure you know Aaron Boone has to motivate the Yankees a little bit different than I have to motivate my team. But uh, my guys are kids, and I think, you know, um, if you just sure, – I, we I talk about it all the time. You know, I talk to my guys like they're men, and I expect them to act like men. You know, if they want me to talk to them like they're children, I'll talk to them like they're children. But uh, it, it's really not that hard. I'm, I don't have an ego uh, as far as talking to players. I just want them to understand what I'm saying, and I'll do whatever it takes, uh, you know, uh, I can say the same thing a hundred different times because they may near, may need to hear it differently. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I treat my guys the way as a player, I enjoyed being treated. And I had some really good coaches along the way who they treated us like men. So without telling us, they were telling us we had to be accountable. We had to accept responsibility. And I found out, you know, uh, that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the responsibility uh, of being on a team. And I, I think a lot of kids nowadays, 
they don't know, they don't, they don't get that responsibility and they don't know what that feels like. And, uh, I think, uh, good teams for the most part, good teams, uh, they're more mature than other teams. Did you have a coaching mentor um, as you were kind of coming up the coaching ranks? I did. I played for every kind of coach. I played for like a little league coach. He loved on us and took us for milkshakes after games. He really didn't know what he was doing, but he took the time to be there. And I played for middle school coaches uh, and summer league coaches when I was younger that they were older gentlemen who demanded that we be on time uh, they had very few rules. They just wanted us to play hard. Uh, and then I got into high school, and my high school coach was extremely demanding. So I learned that uh, you have to work hard, but hard work can be fun. Uh, the harder you work, the more you get out of stuff. And as a high school coach, you know, I tell my guys all the time, I've never seen a guy work really, really hard and not put up really, really good numbers. Now, you make work really hard on your hitting, and you may not hit 500, but if you work really, really hard, um, you know, I got a, I've got a kid in my program now that he has worked and worked and worked on his hitting and it's coming along slowly, but this kid's really fast. So you see good numbers for him. He'll act as a courtesy runner and that guy swipes bags left and right. And those are his numbers because he's working really, really hard. And I believe, I believe that the game rewards you if you work really hard. What do you think of of coaches, whether, I mean, I'm just going to ask you, of punishing, like, the team and, and, like, or a player by not playing the player, benching him, or, you know, running the team afterward for not working hard or whatever the reason may be? Do you think that's a good way to go about, uh, like, you know, getting players to, to work harder or buy in? I, uh, I, you know, early in, early in my coaching career, um, I kind of, I coached the way that I saw people coach me and, uh, you know, I, I had coaches that coached, uh, and they used fear as the motivator and fear is still a strong motivator. Uh, there are different kinds of fear, but they would use physical, uh, physical fear. If you don't do this, I will run you. Um, I think kids today, society has changed them. I think they're the same kids. They don't like to run. Uh, but I have kids all day. If you punish them by running them, you know, they could go for hours. And so I think punishment is doing to someone what they don't like to do. So I can punish you if you know I'm mad at you. Just knowing that I'm mad at you sometimes can be punishment enough. It can correct behavior. Mm. Uh, you've done something and, uh, you know, I don't like it. And I know that, you know, and you know, I, I, you can use that angle. And again, I guess that's the psychology. Um, but I tell you, I punish guys. And if I have to punish guys, I'm really upfront with them. And even at the end of practice, I will say, okay, we are all running and this is punishment. There's no, this is not conditioning. You're being punished right now. And it has a different effect. Whereas if I go, okay, we got to get our sprints in and they think it's conditioning, you know, I'll go, okay, we're going to run 15 sprints knowing that I only want 12. So when we get to 12 or the 11th one, I'll go, Hey, run this one hard and you don't have to run the last three. 
well, I get what I want and they think they got away with something. So that's the motivation right there. So, you know, I'm not big, I'm not big into, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I think I respect my team and they respect me. So if fear is in there, uh, I think we're at a place in my program with my culture that I tell my guys, I'm going to coach every game like it's the seventh game of the World Series, and I expect them to play like it's the seventh game of the World Series. So, you know, I think sometimes if we lose a game, I don't have to get on my guys because they're disappointed. I know. I think I, I know they're disappointed. They know I'm disappointed. And I think sometimes coaches forget um, coaches and players are on the same team and you have the same goal. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to break that down. I want my guys, I want them happy to come to the ballpark and come to the clubhouse. And I want them to be happy when they come to practice and, and enjoy it. I don't want them to dread at no point. Do I want them to dread this? And the hardest thing to do is teach a freshman, uh, what hard work is and that it's not something that should be dreaded. It's something that can improve their game. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I've run my guys, and I'll run them again if I think that's the avenue to go. But uh, as a general rule, you know, that healthy respect, you know, they know when they cross the line. And uh, I don't want to disappoint them, and they don't want to disappoint me. I really liked, and I've never heard that before, about sometimes, you know, Bert- depending on the player, the punishment, it could just be you just being mad at them or just like giving them a look or something like that. That's, that's pretty interesting. And I, I like that a lot. I would, I would highly suggest that, you know, coaches that scream and rant and rave. And I, I've done that. And I, I've made do it in two weeks. I don't know, but I think if players, there's a healthy, healthy, place in their mind where they know when I'm not happy. And I think you may have arrived as a disciplinarian or a motivator when you don't have to say anything at all. And they know exactly what you're thinking. Mm. One of, uh, one of the things that I actually wrote down, I was listening to you on ahead of the curve podcast. And I, I heard you mention rich froning, who I've heard of before, and for those who don't know, if you just Google Rich Froning, he he's like one of the fittest men, fittest fittest men alive. I mean, he's a CrossFit legend. What was that like? Him him playing for you? I mean, I, was he the type of guy who just could just run forever and ever, and just he loved all that stuff? He was the type type of guy that we had to work really hard planning practice to challenge him. And because we were challenging him, everybody had to try to keep up with him. Um, if you do Google him, it, you see pictures and you can read about him. But I've known him since he's 14 years old, and he's the perfect storm. Uh, parents from Michigan moved to Tennessee, got a divorce, but the dad still cared about Rich and his ex-wife. So he moved down the street from him. Uh, his, his mom and dad were divorced, living on the same street. They had a healthy relationship as far as raising their children. They had a common goal to raise rich and his sister and rich was the perfect storm. The determination, the moxie, he could go a little bit further than anybody else. And he did some things in games that were so instinctive 
um, you know, it, it was incredible. And it's the first time I think as a coach where I counted batters to see how far away Rich was because he was getting on base. He, I mean, he was going to make things go. And he's just so mentally tough. And he still helps us design, uh, you know, some of our workouts, what we do in the weight room, what we do as far as conditioning because, you know, he's the boss. And, you know, that was 15 years ago. And I still see Rich in town, and I still maintain contact with him. He's the same person he was then. Uh, he's wide open 100%. Didn't he play? Did he play at Tennessee Tech? He played. He went to Walter State, and at the time, um, he, he went to Walter State Junior College, and he ended up coming back. He had some nagging injuries. And he couldn't perform at the level that he thought he should. So, you know, he kind of hung it up and looked for his next challenge, which he was a fireman, volunteer, not a volunteer fireman, but a fireman because we have a program that if you work for the fire department, they'll help pay for your college. And he went to Tennessee Tech and got his, uh, um, you know, his degree in athletic performance and uh, kind of found his niche he uh, makes millions of dollars conditioning. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're getting into the, you know this was school starting and everything like that. We're gonna we're getting into the off season pretty quickly here. What does your off season program look like? Um, our off season program in Tennessee, uh, we can have small groups, but to be honest with you, um, we don't do a lot of small group stuff. I think in the off season. Uh, you need to do as much team as you can. We're allowed to throw and we're allowed to condition and we're allowed to lift. And I have an assistant coach, Derek Bush, who he should have his degree in exercise science because he lifts, he knows all about it. He studies it. He finds new stuff. Um, we will do a lot of movement stuff and then we'll get into the weights. And uh, I think, you know, I'm 56 years old and I'm from that past generation where you really didn't lift because you didn't have, um, you know, a lot of weight rooms that were big and had a lot of equipment and we did a lot of things wrong. So, you know, I knew lifting was important back then. So we did, you know, basic lifts, but now we have this really nice quarter of a million dollar weight room and it's huge. And we put our team in there and all I tell him is, you know, I want them stronger and I want them sweaty and they do stuff. And I stand in there and watch it. And I'm just, I'm amazed that a 14 year old who's never lifted and has no technique, uh, by the time they get, usually by the time they get to their junior year, um, they're in love with the weight room. And I think if you're a baseball player and you don't love the weight room, you are really missing the boat. I think we get a lot done mentally, emotionally, and of course, physically in the weight room. Yeah, I think for a lot of guys, they just they see themselves getting better um, because of them getting stronger, whether it be they're throwing harder or hitting the ball further. And I just I don't know if there's any any better motivation than seeing yourself get better. No, no doubt about it. And uh, we talk about it uh, with our hitters and our pitchers, but we talk about with our hitters. Um, you know, they'll say, uh, "I think there's a big difference between strength and power." Uh, I think strength is how hard you hit it and power is how far it goes. 
So we talk about, uh, you know, gain strength, gain strength and power will come. And I really, I'm a huge believer in, you know, opportunity favors the strong. So if the bat's lighter, uh, you can use it better. If your arm's stronger, uh, you can make plays that you normally don't make. And not to even mention the confidence that comes, you know, with little bumps you put on your arms or uh, all of a sudden you have a chest. Um, you know, what that can do for you uh, is amazing. And our guys, I, I will say this, we, 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 win, we win our fair share of games. Uh, we don't win them all, but gum, we win that weight room every time we go in there. That's awesome. Yeah, that's such a such a huge part of development at the high school level. How one of the one of the really tough things about being a high school coach is having to deal with with playing time because you can only play so many guys. How how do you deal with that? Is I mean, is there a right way to do deal with playing time? Or, you know, if players not happy, they're not playing. Or what would you say the best ways to go about that as a coach? Uh, I think uh, you know we'll have forty. 45 guys on our team and we'll carry 20, 21, uh, on the varsity. And I always try to bring up from the uh, developmental team, which we used to call it the junior varsity, but we started calling it the developmental team. Cause, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm ahead of the curve, but I may be one of the first ones in our area that, you know, I'm not going to sell out for the wins and losses. Uh, I'm going to sell out for the development. So if I have 21 guys on the team, I'm trying to get everybody into the game. And, you know, we talk about uh, our, we have our starters and then we have special teams and on the lineup card, it's listed as special teams. And we'll write out uh, who the courtesy runner is, who a pinch runner is, who the first pinch hitter is, who the first left-handed pinch hitter is, bullpen arms, who's in middle relief. So just by writing that, it makes them feel that they're more than a substitute. And I never, I, I never say substitute. We always call it special teams. Okay. I need a bunt right now. Here's our, here's our designated bunter for today. Or, you know, we need a runner right now. Here's our designated runner uh, today. We're going to run a delay steal. So everybody's like, nobody freaks out when uh, it's a, a slower kid that is uh, going to be the pinch runner. Cause he's going to run a delay. And, so what we do is we put guys on the team and then we tell them it's up to them to find their value. I think a lot of times, um, a lot of times you make the team and then you're like, coach won't play me. Well, what did you do to bring value? So coach has to play you. And I don't know. I'm this guy. If you're on the varsity, I think you have value. And, you know, I, we were charting it. We charted last year, and I don't have it in front of me, but we used six different six different left fielders, two different center fielders, four different right fielders. Uh, we used four different third basemen, four different first basemen, three different catchers, and 14 different guys on the mound. So if you're on my varsity, you're going to get in, and when you get in, you, you got to do something, you know, and that's kind of up to you. So I really believe that players, it's on them to find their value. It sounds like from what you just said, one of the things that uh, that just stuck out to me was was how you communicate really well with their role, so they don't really guess what their role is. And I think that's part of the problem sometimes is, like you were just saying, kids 
you know, they're on the team, but they're not playing. So the only thing they can say is, well, coach isn't playing me, but if you give them a, you know, some sort of role, then they kind of, you know, go into it, going into the game, knowing what to expect. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, my whole thing is about development. You know, if I'm going to keep you, I saw value in you. Do you see value in you? And last year was a prime example. Uh, the year before we lost like 12 seniors and last year we only had four seniors. So we were like, Whoa, this is going to be a rough year. Um, so our plan all along was let's play a lot of these younger guys. So they have a year of experience. So we're constant. I'm, I'm constantly thinking about how can I get a kid in the game? I'm always looking at the lineup card, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll have teams roll in here and they'll cram 35 guys in the dugout and they'll play the same nine guys in both ends of a double header. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? And then I'll listen to those coaches. Oh, we're young. We don't have a lot of experience. My worst nightmare as a high school coach is no experience. So, you know, a lot of guys, they'll be up nine to one and they're still not subbing. The games, they've got the game and they won't make a sub. Well, if I'm up nine to one, I'm looking to get guys in because I'm perfectly okay winning the game nine to five. So if I can put a guy on the mound and see him for an inning and let him get an inning of experience, I'm perfectly okay with that. It drives my assistant coaches crazy, but, you know, I'm trying to get guys ready. I'm always thinking and I'm always coaching with next year in mind. Is there a certain point of the season where you you will play players regularly, though? Oh, absolutely. Down the stretch, we get in the playoffs. Uh, I'm still going to use the bench if the bench uh, deserves to be used, if they've shown me that, uh, you know, that they can come to the plate and give me a quality at bat uh, and put the ball in play, uh, I'll use that guy as a pinch hitter. But my pitchers, those 14 guys we used last year, they knew I was looking for six guys down the stretch. And they're trying to be one of those six guys. So our regular season, we're trying to win games. Don't get me wrong. I love winning baseball games. But – they know that every game, every time they go out, it's a tryout for the postseason. And I think that makes them work a little bit harder because they know they don't want to be one of those cheerleaders in the dugout during the postseason. They want, to, they want to get into it. So they know they have to earn that right, which, you know, it, everything we do is talking about everything you get is talking about, you know, you've earned it. So when you earn it, it means a little bit more. Uh, I could give you, uh, I could give you $250 and tell you to go buy a bat, or you could mow yards and earn the money to get that bat. Well, if you get the bat, if I give it to you, it doesn't mean as much to you. You might leave it laying around, but if you had to mow yards and sweat to earn the money to get that bat, you're not going to forget that bat. Mm, I love that. Having some skin in the game. It makes sense. What uh? Yeah. What are you? How are you involved with USA Baseball? Um, about thirteen years ago, um, a guy I played college with was going to be the head coach, and he called me and he goes, "Hey, do you want to come over here to North Carolina?" It was the first year the complex was in North Carolina. He goes, "We have these things, these guys called task force, and basically you just make sure the umpire has balls and you write down notes and." 
you sit in the meetings with the national team staff for 18U, and if you have anything to say, you know, you say it. So I was like, cool. So I drove over to North Carolina and got there, and it was life-changing. Uh, I met guys that I, I from all around the country and made best friends for life and just been going back every year. I've been lucky enough to be on two staffs. And, you know, I got into USA Baseball when a lot of people didn't know what USA Baseball was. Now everybody, I get all the time, hey, how do I get involved with USA Baseball? And I always say, I wish I knew. Uh, I'm on the the coaching scouting side of it, and that's the administrative side. And I bet they get 150 emails a day from guys asking how they can get into USA Baseball. And, you know, I, I, I was just extremely lucky to be in the right place at the right time and know a guy. And, you know, every – at the end of every USA baseball season, I go, hey, don't forget about me. I'll just work me next year. And I built up some good relationships. And uh, things like, uh, you know, my best friends are coaches. And my best, best friends are all USA guys from all over the country. Is there a certain age that you help out with more than another? Well, some guys do. But I will bounce. I'll bounce around. Uh, where they need an older guy with older eyes. Uh, next week, uh, I'll be working with 14-year-olds. Uh, I did 13-year-old uh, developmental camp in June and then immediately went and watched uh, 15-year-olds in Arizona. So all, all age groups, you know, I've been the cross-checker for 17. I've been on the 18U staff. I've been on the 12U staff, which was in 2017, which was – unbelievable and you know you hear 12 you and everybody thinks literally our national team uh our national team that year if they put an all-star team together from williamsport uh our our 12u team would have beat them 100 out of 100 times so does that mean you have to travel a good amount uh i do i'll go arizona or i'll go uh florida or i'll go north carolina north carolina is where the headquarters is uh, you know, I've been lucky enough, Canada, uh, Taiwan, uh, California, I just, you go where they send you and you do the job and not everybody can do it. There's usually a couple guys every year that you see that are new and you try to help them and then you never see them again because, uh, they struggle 18 hours out in the sun, sitting in a golf cart, sitting on a hard bench, moving around, uh, they struggle with it, and I'll be honest with you, it's like a vacation for me. It's awesome. That's awesome to hear, Coach. Really appreciate your time. I'm, I'm glad to glad to get you on here. I've been following you for a while, and you know, always always awesome to connect with coaches who are doing it for the right reason and just want to help out players. Uh, I appreciate it so much. Uh, you need to call me back. We need to talk hitting. Uh, we need to talk kidding. I got some bizarre ideas that seem to work with our guys. So we need to, we need to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. We will, uh, we will definitely do that.